Overtime and overdue Ain't no sleep that is on news Bad outside, that's with the crew Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. On yesterday's show, we talked about the overs and unders for all the stars on the offensive side of the ball for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we know here in Tampa that defense wins championships. So today, we focus our attention to the defense. That's right. Shaq Barrett, Devontae David, Devin White, Carlton Davis, you name it. We're going to be talking about the overs and unders for the stats from the star Bucks players, whether or not they can reach those same numbers, whether they'll do better or worse. We'll get into all of it. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me. I have two very special guests. One is JC Allen of PeterReport.com. The other is the wildly successful James Hill, who runs the Mr. Bucks Nation YouTube channel. Make sure you follow his account at Mr. Bucks Nation. Guys, how are you doing today? JC, welcome back to the show. James, Mr. Bucks Nation, been a little while since we had you. Haven't seen you since when we were all together for the Combine in Indy. So we'll start with you. How are you doing, man? How's your offseason been? Uh, it's been good. You know, it has been pretty darn good. Uh, like, like you said, we were at the Combine together. That was absolutely awesome. Uh, had some other stuff to talk about after that. A little bit of a slow month, you know, this past month of June, but, you know, ready to dive back into things at a more consistent pace in July. So I'm doing very good. Hey, again, uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. I have loved what you guys have been doing here on the YouTube channel, helping helping represent, you know, the Buccaneers side of YouTube. So it is greatly appreciated, guys. Yeah, thank you. And again, make sure you check out Mr. Bucks Nation on YouTube. JC, how are you, my man? Doing great. Where were you last on the show? I I made a surprise appearance maybe last week with you and and Scotty. Yeah, Scotty. Not Miller. (laughs) Not Miller. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, doing great, man. Just been super busy. uh, Getting ready to load out a ton of of content for... um, you know, leading up to training camp. So excited to get all that stuff out there too. Yeah, just started your position ranking. So make sure everyone checks that out. We will be uh, going further and further as we get closer to training camp. JC's rankings will continue to come out. And uh, before we get into the overs and unders on the defense and the defensive side of the ball, uh, there was a little bit of news today. Uh, it, it affects the box. It didn't directly happen with Tampa Bay. But as you know, the Bucs did release punter Bradley Pinion a uh, a week ago, and he quickly found a new place. He's playing for a new team, and the Bucs will have to deal with him two times a season as he signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I don't know how you guys initially thought about this. I'm kind of happy for Bradley Pinion because I think overall he's a really good guy, and um, you know while things didn't end great for the Bucs towards the end, I think he's a good person and when fully healthy can still be you know, a serviceable punter in, in this league. So James, your reaction to opinion staying in the division. Yeah. You know, it, it is kind of unfortunate in a way. Cause like you said, they do have to play him twice a year. He is a part of that rivalry between the two teams now, but like you said, Bradley Pinion, really good guy doesn't have to move that far now, which I think, you know, probably played a factor in his decision. And uh, yeah, you just got to feel good that he landed on his feet somewhere, right? Because, you know, yeah. a guy like Bradley 
Bradley Pinion. He deserved something like that. So all in all, just happy to see him continue to play in the NFL. Yeah, there's no doubt he was he wasn't in another opportunity somewhere. I just think if you look at the past couple of years and his uh, you know regression at the position, numbers went down ever since he came in. Uh, it, it was time for them to move on and time for them to revamp that position. Uh, they brought in Sterling Hoffrichter last yep. year when he was when he was injured and he didn't really show much. So once they drafted Jake Camarda, you knew the writing was on the wall. They were saving two million dollars. 2.9, but the top 51 rule, someone took that spot. So a little over $2 million to release them from the roster, which they'll be able to use to, you know, maybe sign a veteran tight end or edge rusher, or just have that cushion that they needed, that they need in the season without having to go to someone like Mike and say, Hey, we want to restructure again, or like Donovan Smith and say, Hey, we need to extend and restructure. So having that financial flexibility, having a guy already in place was the perfect time to to let him move on and with the falcons i mean good luck you know he's gonna be kicking yeah, exactly. for half the year uh as you guys alluded to he's a great guy has a great charity uh with you know um punks uh, for pups pup, yes punks for pups uh thank you matt and uh you know wish him nothing but the best and hopefully he'll be able to turn it around kicking in the dome half the year so we'll see yeah, it could be a help. It's not going to hurt the box, though. I don't yeah, think. yeah. James, I think we have the same headphones, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we actually have talked about this a couple of times. We, yeah. we both ended up with the uh, the same headset, which That's I think. That's right. Awesome. Yeah, I do remember talking about that. <laughs> Turtle Beach. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another thing that's pretty great, of course, is uh, Celsius energy drinks. Guys, if you don't know by now, Celsius, oh. variety is the key. They have a thousand different flavors. They got the sparkling strawberry lemonade they got sparkling kiwi guava they got tropical peach vibe the classic orange is great the peach mango is fantastic as well so there's definitely a flavor out there for you with celsius they have a seven essential vitamins no preservatives or artificial flavors or colors zero sugar and it gives you that energy to get you through your day whether you have a, a busy day at work you need that little extra pick me up have a celsius going to the gym Make sure you have that Celsius. You don't need pre-workout. Just have a Celsius energy drink. Uh, make sure you go to Amazon.com or your local gas station, bodega, as I like to say. They got Celsius everywhere now. And if you go on Amazon.com, you could save $5 in shipping. You can set it up whether you go and order it every two weeks, every three weeks, whatever it may be. Best flavors and a variety of flavors. It's Celsius Energy Drink. JC, I see. What do you got there? I got the jackfruit. The Celsius Heat, guys. Actually, Scotty Miller posted. Yeah, uh, that's uh, one of my favorite flavors. Picture of him with the blueberry pomegranate yesterday on his on his Instagram page. The Heat, guys, if you feel like the Celsius is great, but you need a little more energy, you're going to have to go out of the way, find them on Amazon or something with a subscribe and save. But the Heat's got that extra milligrams of caffeine that gives you that boost if you really are having a down day. It's like having a Celsius and a half. Plus of the thick boys. I mean, look at the size. Yeah. This can. I mean, this is a slammer right here. It is thick with two Cs. I actually couldn't Ooh. decide whether I not wanted the peach vibe, so I have this ready to go, and I also have the sparkling strawberry lemonade. I'm a really oh, the big best. fan, really big fan of both of them, so uh, definitely enjoy that. James, I'll have to get your face because uh, it is fantastic as uh, JC plays some little side music there. All right, let's get into the Bucks over-unders. I want to start with the edge rushers because that's the fun position. You know, We like talking about turnovers, sacks, and interceptions, so we'll start with sacks in there, and the leader of the room. His nickname is Sack. It's technically Shaq, but we call him Sack Barrett, especially when he did what he did a couple years ago in 2019. 
leading the NFL in sacks. But uh, Shaq going into his fourth year here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after previously playing for the Denver Broncos. Last season, Shaq played in 15 games. He had 10 sacks, 51 tackles, three forced fumbles, and one interception. He also had an interception in the playoffs against the Philadelphia Eagles. And a very athletic play because, remember, he was playing with an injured knee at the time. Um, but when you look at the entire Bucks defense, especially that defensive line, things change a little bit for Shaq Barrett, kind of for the better, um, because JPP, as we know, he was injured a lot when he was in there. You didn't have to worry about JPP as much when you were an opponent because he was limited. You could just block him one on one where Shaq got a lot of those double teams. But you look at that interior defensive line now, Vita Bay is back, of course, Akeem Hicks, and we'll talk about both of these guys in a little bit. Um, but now you got two big hosses up front and, and Logan Hall as well, where the offensive line is really going to have to pick your poison. And I think Shaq Barrett is going to be one of the benefits of that. And of course, Joe Tryon-Troenko, who we'll get to next, getting the full reps as a starter. So JC, in terms of over under with sacks for Shaq Barrett, um, I think no matter what, he's going to help the team. But in terms of sacks specifically, 10's a pretty good number. However, with some of the talent there, I could see it opening opportunities for Shaq, but also because there's more talent in there, might take away from his sack number a little bit, where, again, it doesn't hurt the Bucks' defense, just statistically might not go in Shaq's favor. Yeah, I, I just wrote about this in my position group power rankings, how much the guys you mentioned up front, Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea, are going to help not just the, the edge defenders, but the inside linebackers as well. These guys, the pro and Matt, I was like a little schoolboy when we were at practice. Watching yes, you were. Hicks. I was saying it on the podcast the other day. You were freaking out when Hicks I was Vita Vea. I, Yeah. I am so excited to watch this defense. It's going to take three blockers to take a Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks. There's, there's like no way around that. You're going to have to – Vita Vea eats these double teams. Now with a guy of Hicks' size next to him, you're going to have to throw three blockers at these guys. One blocker at Will Golston. Another blocker either on Joe Tryon, Shrinko, Shaq Barrett. There's your five offensive linemen. And now either Shaq or JTS, preferably Shaq, because he's moving to the right side of the line, presumably, yeah. um, where he had his 19-and-a-half sack season after playing mostly on the left the last two years because of preference for JPP. But – that's going to give him so many opportunities to just go up against running backs and tight ends that I think these sack numbers are going to be astronomical. I'm not saying 19, but I'm saying 15 plus. I think he's going to get after the quarterback and he's just going to be a monster in the defensive backfield. If you look at the if the cornerbacks as well can stay healthy and play to their level with the additions of the room in the cornerback and the safety room. You're talking about the ability to get pressure sacks, coverage sacks. I just think he's going to have a monster year. He also had two four, uh, fumble recoveries last year to go along with those three fumbles. So making plays, creating turnovers, and causing sacks, I think Sack Barrett hasn't really lived up to that nickname according to himself after that 19-and-a-half season. He's earning it back this year. Yeah, James, I definitely yeah, yeah, for sure. I definitely think that he will go over, um, but only slightly, you know, because I am torn, like you were saying, Matt, where 
part of me does think that Shaq Barrett is going to benefit, right, from having guys like Akeem Hicks, Vita Vea, uh, Joe Tryon, who is, you know, younger, healthier than what we saw from JPP last year. Uh, Logan Hall is going to be in that mix now and all these other different types of, you know, pass rush specialists that the Bucks have now. So I think that'll definitely help his numbers. But I also agree that rotations could take away some playing time for Shaq. I know the Bucks coaching staff has said in the past, hey, the guys with the big contracts get the playing time. Right. And I think that will continue. I can see the Buccaneers relying more on Shaq Barrett because they don't have as much of a veteran presence, especially on that outside edge, you know, anymore with the departure of Jason Pierre Paul. Um, so I do think his numbers will improve, but only slightly, maybe say like 12, 13 sacks this upcoming season. Yeah, I tend to agree a little bit more with what you're saying, James, in terms of just looking at over under. I think he can get 10, maybe 11, 12. Let's remember, Shaq had the monster 19 and a half sack season. Then he didn't even get double digit sacks. And then he rebounded this year with getting the uh, getting the 10 sacks. So it's um, I'm not going to say it's going to fluctuate that much. I, I just think with some of the yeah, some of the other guys in the room and I understand Shaq's going back to the one side. I think Shaq's going to very much be efficient. But again, we're just talking about the numbers itself. JC, it seems like you got something to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think Anthony Nelson's eating to his snaps too much. Now, if they go out and get a Justin Houston, Trey Flowers, one of the Anthony Barr, one of these guys, then I'll come down. And I still think 15 is very attainable. I mean, you talk about 10 sacks and 15 games last year playing with a, with a banged up um, secondary behind you, which is allowing the quarterback to get rid of the ball sooner when he's throwing the guys covered by – you know, for everything he's done this offseason, but D Delaney and Pierre Desir and Richard Sherman out there on, on crutches. Like, I just think that if the secondary is healthier, even if they bring in a guy like an Anthony Barr, 15, 10 is like minimum for me. I think like that's the bare minimum he gets. I think if we want to, I think his floor is really 12, to be honest. And I think he's closer to getting that 15, 16, 17 number this season fully healthy with the guys in front of him, with the guys healthy. Yeah. It, it's very much a trickle down effect in terms right. of it. The secondary is healthy, which they weren't last year. That's going to help the, the guys up front so much. And I think Shaq is not that he wasn't like not comfortable. I mean, you, you join the team and you get 19 and a half sacks, but um, you know, now he's without question, the leader, like we know JPP was a little bit more of the rah, rah type of guy where Shaq would lead by example. This is Shaq's room. Like, there's no argument about that. You do bring up a really good point, though, JC, about, and I was thinking about this too, um, if they do decide to bring in a veteran presence, because the Bucs have shown at, on at outside linebacker, because the Bucs have shown that um, they're not afraid to bring in their third and fourth outside linebacker. I mean, Anthony Nelvis, Ant Nelvis, Nelson had a very serviceable year last season and even like Joe Tryon Sharenko who we're about to transition to next JTS still got a lot of reps I know JPP was in and out of the lineup but even when JPP was healthy you know the third and fourth string outside linebackers really had a not as big of a role but did have a role on this team so if you sign someone like Justin Houston or they bring Carl Nassib back or you know Carlos Dunlap was another guy that I was talking about if they bring in a guy that they just go all right you're only going to play third downs when it's like third and five or longer. You're just going to pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. That might affect Shaq's numbers where, again, it's helping the defense not necessarily 
hurting the Bucks overall, just only hurting Shaq a little bit. I uh, do want to get to some people in the chat here. Adam is uh, pretty pumped about James being on the show today. He says, my man, James. And I like Rice says, if it's 10, that's an easy over, boys. Akeem Hicks and Vita, shoo. We'll get to them <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Joe Try and Shoenka, though, because this is a huge year for him. He played in all 17 games last year, had 29 tackles, four sacks, and three pass breakups. But with JPP not there, and really the only other addition going to be a veteran guy that I don't think that the Bucs would bring in to be a starter, James, I'll ask you, where do you see JTS performing this year with the sacks? I mean, he had four last year. I think a lot of the times it seemed like he could have had double that production. I know Bucks' new outside linebacker coach, Bob Sanders, is really paying attention to detail when it comes to finishing the job and going after the quarterbacks. Because it wasn't just JTS. There was a lot of times looked like the Bucks had the quarterback wrapped up and didn't totally bring him down. And while they're pretty good at getting after the quarterback, they could still be even that much better. Yeah, no, I agree with that assessment completely, where last year it felt like the sack numbers could have been even better, but they need to focus on finishing the play and really being able to bring down the quarterback. Whenever you look at Joe Tryon-Shawinka and his numbers last year, four sacks, so I think it's going to be over, under. I think it's going to be over. Um, and you said it, you know, last year there was that thought of he probably could have had double the number of sacks he had. You know, he could have had eight, had eight sacks last year. I think he's going to hit that number this year. I think seven and a half sacks, eight sacks this upcoming season is a good year for Joe Tryon. It shows good, steady progression, a lot of growth, a lot of improvement and getting more playing time with the departure of JPP. I do kind of expect Anthony Nelson to figure his way somewhere into the rotation with Joe Tryon on that side of the field on that defense. But I do think Tryon will show a lot of steady improvement here in year number two. I think he'll finish the year with seven and a half, maybe eight sacks. So I'm going to give him the over on this one. JC, what say you? What say you? I say I say he's going over, way over. I'm putting him at 10 sacks this year. I think this dude has the size, the speed, the strength, a year in the system. He knows what's expected of him. Last year, he probably would have had nine sacks if he would have just finished. I think he's been showing those tapes over and over and over again. Uh, I really loved what Bob Sanders had to say when we talked to coaches. Yep. I wrote about him when we picked our favorite assistant coaches. And just he hasn't even been here for three months now and just listening to this guy, I would run through a brick wall the way that he plans to, to get these guys to deliver. I I'm, I'm so excited for what this, outside linebacker edge group can do. I, I think he's got, if, if you look at what the unit as a total, I had last year was 23 sacks. I, I think we're looking at probably, you know, 25 sacks just between at least 23, just between JTS and Shaq Barrett. I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be able to. He didn't look like a little boy out there. It's not like he needed the, you know, some grown man strength out there. He needed to learn the playbook more, need to be, have more consistency and more snaps because he was playing some snaps and JPP would come in. The only question I have about JTS is his coverage, right? Is he going? I don't think he's going to be as big as a liability as JPP was last year, but can he get his hands on more balls? in the coverage game, past deflections. Can he stay with these tight ends and, uh, you know, cover these running backs on the, on the, on, when they come out to the flat and stuff like that. That's my biggest question mark with JTS getting after the quarterback. I don't have much of one. I mean, you saw 
one of the biggest things that that we talked about coming into the draft last year and coming in was him taking false steps. And he cleaned that up last year and he was able to fly into the backfield. And with guys, with the guys up front, it all comes back to the guys up front. I, I think you're looking at an opportunity for him to go one-on-one against a running back or against a tight end. I, I, th- I think he can win those matchups and get to the quarterback this year. Plus he can just kick in. He can kick inside on certain downs as well. He's got that versatility to even add more pressure along the line. Yeah, he, he did do that a little bit last year. I, I do think it would be important for him Again, because he's so young. And in a Todd Bowles defense, you know you're going to have to do different things. JC, as you mentioned, like dropping back in coverage. We know Todd Bowles likes to get more creative than almost any coach you know, around the NFL. And I think sometimes with Bowles, it's – well, overall, he's a great – was a great defensive coordinator, now head coach, still going to be calling the defense. For everything that we like about Bowles, the aggressiveness, the creativity – I think sometimes it just it does feel like Joe Tryanchenko. If his best ability is to rush the passer, like why are we dropping him back in coverage so many times? You know, sometimes it's just like, okay, this is what he does best. Let's put him in that position to do what he does best. And I understand. Okay, you want to keep the offense on their on their toes. You want to keep them guessing. I just think sometimes when you're so talented in one position, and I really do think Joe Tryanchenko again. Just leave him on the outside. You don't have to move him around too much. Sure, some different schemes, go ahead and do that. But if you just leave JTS out on the edge, let him get comfortable. Let him set up that chess match that we love with Shaq Barrett where you know he might bull rush you a couple times and then wham, here comes the swim and the rip move. Really changes things up a little bit. James, I'll ask you. Sure. I know we love Todd's um, you know, overall aggressiveness as a, a play caller on defense. But are you okay with JTS dropping back in coverage as much as he did last year? Or would you rather see him just, you know, all eyes on the quarterback, make sure you t- take that guy down? Yeah, I don't I don't love the idea of edge linebackers dropping back into coverage too, too much. And we've seen some weird stuff before with not just Todd Bowles defenses, but other defenses around the league, right, where you know, defensive linemen or something are dropping back into coverage and this other lot of really weird stuff that goes on. So I don't love it a ton, but, um, you know, if that is something that they need to improve on in their game to become a good fit for what this offense is, then, you know, Hey, I'm willing to go along with the ride for it. You know, I mean, these guys are freak athletes. I do think they do have the capabilities to at least be somewhat you know, decent in terms of that type of ability of coverage abilities and whatnot. So I don't love it, but, um, you know, if it's something that is a necessity, I'm not going to, you know, have a pitchfork and torch in my hand about it, (laughs) basically. Well said. And, you know, while we're talking about Joe Tryon showing, we're talking about the growth of him, how you can take the next step, which is growing as a player. Another thing you'd really want to see grow is the amount of money you have. And if you want to bet on that money and win more, the best place to go is mybookie.ag. And I understand we're getting later into the summer. Football's just around the corner. We're not there yet. Not as much sports going on, but there is still baseball season. And there's almost a game pretty much every single day up until the All-Star break. And 162 games of baseball season can feel like a grind to watch especially if there's not a UFC fight on or a really competitive golf tournament. But you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. There's run lines, money lines, props galore, the best bet in all of sports, first inning, no runs. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. 
Getting started is very simple. You deposit up to $1,000, play with $500 instantly. Just use the promo code Pewter to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to 1000 Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code is Pewter. All right, we just talked about the outside. Let's talk about the inside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers interior defensive line, starting off with the big man in the middle, Vita Vea. Played 16 games last year. That tied a career high for him. Obviously, it wasn't the full season because the NFL did move to 17 games. But he had 33 tackles, career high, five tackles for loss, and four sacks. Now, Vita's getting, you know, him and, and Dom Gensu was a very, very nice one-two punch. I'm not taking anything away from the contributions that Dom Gensu made to this team. Um, but there is... New players in the house now with Keem Hicks and Logan Hall. You obviously still have Nacho there and Will Golston. But again, this is Vita Vea's room. Um, in terms of, uh, with you know, defensive linemen, you're not always expecting as many sacks and everything like that. So, you know, we can focus a little bit more on the tackles and tackles for loss having five last year. Um, and of course, Vita Vea just got that new contract. JC, I'll start with you. Do we see a more productive Vita Vea this year? Do we see him kind of just sharing the wealth with everyone along the defensive line? Is it going to be more of a collaborative effort? Or is this, all right, Vita Vea, we paid the man. We're going to make sure that, you know, he's the locomotive for this defensive line. And we get a Vita that, not that we haven't seen, but just a guy that takes it to the next level. Now that he's got the money, now he's going to be that elite nose tackle, defensive tackle that, all right, if Aaron Donald's won, Vita Vey has got to get in that conversation of, you know, top three, top five. Yeah, I'm forever the optimist. So, I mean, I look at what Vita Vey did last year. Not only not only did he have the five tackles for loss and the four sacks, he also got his hands on three balls and deflected them too. Yeah. So, you know, using his hands more. And look, he's still kind of, you know, growing as a player as well, I would think. I mean, every year in the system, he almost virtually missed a year in 2020, having played those, you know, getting injured in, in week four. Um, so I, I think he he can improve slightly. I'm not saying, I'm not putting him in like 10 sacks, but I think he can go from four to five sacks. I think the tackles for a loss will go up. And and like you said, not taking anything away from the Dom Kasu, who ended up with six sacks, seven tackles for a loss, was very disruptive, uh, even you know, at his age with his, you know, skills declining. But I think the addition of Akeem Hicks adds so much because both of those guys are so big and Akeem Hicks and Vita Vey are both so quick as well. We're talking about a, a player who used to be running back in high school. Yeah. And Vita <laughs> so, I mean, and, and last year, remember training camp, we saw him run down a guy like tw the running back, like 25 yards on the field. Like he's got the speed. He's got the motor. Um, I, the biggest thing with Vita Vea that I want to see is an increased snap count. Um, and I think that will help his stats as well. I think that's the biggest thing. You're making this money. You're cementing yourself as one of the top defensive tackles. I want to see your snap count go up to match match that as well. Um, 
but the Bucks are so versatile, as we mentioned, with Todd Bowles, and they do so many different things uh, with so many different players. You know, I can see, and you want to keep fresh. They're ex- expecting a Super Bowl run, so we'll see. And, and Vita said that too. You know, I think the idea was to keep me fresh. Uh, you know, that's why I played less snaps, but I would like to see a snap count go up at least a little bit. Um, and I think those can also turn into numbers, but just having the guy next to him that we'll talk about soon is going to make a huge difference too. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, James, What do you think just in terms of, and please give us the point you're about to make, but what do you think in terms of, okay, Vita just got this contract. Let's make sure he plays more versus he has a little bit of an injury history. Let's make sure that we preserve him at least for the playoffs. Where, where do you fall in that category? Yeah. And that's, that's a really tough decision to make, right? Cause you're paying the guy, the big bucks. And, you know, like I said earlier, the guys who get the big contracts, they expect to play a lot, but given Vita Vea's injury history and stuff like that, I also see where the team may be coming from where they say, Hey, we want to make sure this guy's fully healthy, especially for a playoff run and all the other different types of factors that go into that. I do agree with JC that I, hope that there is an uptick in playing time for Vita Vea. But in terms of like over under on stats, I'm actually going to push and say I'm, we're going to see very similar stats to yeah. what we saw from Vita Vea last year, which isn't bad, by the way. It got him a Pro Bowl spot. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that that's what we're going to continue to see is just more consistency. And kind of like what JC was saying was if you're seeing some more snaps, if you're seeing a healthier Vita Vea who is able to play throughout an entire season, that is fantastic news in my opinion. So that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for in terms of what to expect from Vita Vea next year. In terms of stats, I'm going to say, you know, hey, push similar stats to what we saw last year, but I am hoping for a fully healthy season from Vita Vea this upcoming year. Shout out Matthew Sams. He says, if Hicks stays healthy, it's going to look nasty. Do want to talk about Akeem Hicks and uh, Logan Hall in just a second, but it seems like so far with most of the over-unders and the stats like that, a lot of us are going over with a lot of the stats so far. And I think that's really telling of just what our expectations were for the Bucks last year. And I understand that injuries played so much of a factor that it feels like if you're going to take an all-encompassing look at the Bucks defense, maybe they didn't live up to the expectations that most people had, where Bucks defense is still a really good defense, but we just hold them to that high of a standard. It really feels this year kind of like what I was talking about earlier with the the trickle down effect of okay, if the secondary's healthy, that quarterback has to hold on to the ball, even if it's for another second or two. You know, if Levante David is healthy for a full season or even you know a couple more games than what he missed last year, that helps out Devin White even more. And when Devin White's flying around and Levante David can kind of be there to keep everything compact and like together again, it just helps everyone else uh, moving forward. So I think health is overall uh, just uh, obviously really important. And everyone knows that if you most, most of the time the team at the end, that's the healthiest ends up, you know, playing in that championship game and AFC and NFC and trying to get um, to the Super Bowl. So hopefully the box, as long as they stay healthy on defense, I really think it's going to be a rebound year uh, for Tampa Bay's defense, JC. And I, and I think you're right. I think that's part of the biggest thing is why this Bucks team didn't live necessarily, quote unquote, live up to 
expectations on the defensive side because they were just hit with injuries. If it wasn't a secondary player, it was Shaq Barrett for a little while. It was Levante. It was uh, AWJ for Antoine Winfield yeah. Jr. for a little while. And then Vita Vea missed the game. And, and like, I just think that was part of it as well is that they never, I mean, starting week one, you know, you, this team didn't have their full defense on the field until the last game of the season. So I think if they can stay healthy, I think our expectations where we're saying overs and unders and are right where they should be. But the reason why they were lower last year was because of everything that happened with injuries. Right. So for the next two defensive linemen with the Keem Hicks and Logan Hall, you know, Hicks got hurt last year, only played in nine games, did have three and a half sacks, had a combined uh, 25 tackles there. Logan Hall obviously is a rookie. So, we're not going to base his college numbers off what he can do in the NFL. So instead, we'll pivot a little bit. And James, just tell us your overall thoughts on um, how both of these guys fit into the Bucks defense. What are you excited about in terms of adding these two players to the defensive line? Yeah, so first, let me just start off with Logan Hall. Yeah. Um, you know, when he initially came to the team, you know, it looked like he was going to be the full-time starter. And, you know, it was it was exciting, right? I thought that Logan yeah. Hall, he was going to add a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, a lot of pass rushing ability to this starting defensive line. And he still is going to do that, but now more of a rotational type role, which I feel like is a really good situation for Logan Hall to be in. It was much like the situation we saw with Joe Tryon Shoenka last year which i yeah. think is good it eases him into the action gets him up to speed of playing at an nfl level he's going to learn a lot from guys like will golston who has a very similar build to to uh, logan hall vita Vea, and akeem hicks as well and heck he'll probably learn some stuff from guys like shaq barrett as well so that is a lot of positives to look forward to i think logan hall in his first season expect some Overall, solid rookie numbers, right? And what do I mean by that? Well, maybe a couple of tackles for loss, maybe four, four and a half sacks, something along those lines. And just an overall decent rookie season, I think, is a great start for Logan Hall. Again, much like what we saw last year with Joe Tryon Shawinka. Now, in the case of Akeem Hicks, I'm very excited about this signing, as I know you guys are as well. Whenever Akeem Hicks was first signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, that was a big deal. They gave him a lot of money. He is going to be playing a lot in this defensive line rotation. One of the best interior defensive linemen pass rushers when he is healthy, but that is the question, is can Akeem Hicks stay healthy? He's had a great deal of injury concerns the past couple of seasons uh, in the NFL. So that is going to be his biggest question mark moving forward. As you said, Matt, Three and a half sacks last year. That was because of injuries, but he was still able to showcase some good work when he was healthy. If he does maintain his health this upcoming season, I do expect a big bounce back year for Akeem Hicks. Um, I would definitely put him in the over in terms of the stats that he had gotten last year. Maybe a seven to eight sacks, something along those lines. A couple of tackles for loss in there as well. Pairing him up next to Vita Vea, I think, is going to be a very, very dangerous combination for opposing offensive lines. But it is important to make a note and keep an eye on Hicks' health moving forward because that is his biggest question mark right now. Yeah, well put. JC, you've been salivating over these two guys, so please uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, for Akeem Hicks, I, I mean, yeah, he's missed some time the last, you know, in 2021, one game in 2020 
you know, and then he missed uh, 11 games in 2019. But before that, he's been pretty much healthy his entire career. So he was also playing in Chicago. And, you know, there's there's some teams that you're like, okay, I can play through this injury. We got a chance. Chicago, you shut it down. <laughs> you yeah. get injured, you shut it down. There's no risking to further injure yourself at all like that. So what I think about Akeem Hicks is, is you know, he's going to give you a similar production to Dom Kasula last year. Last year, he had three and a half sacks in nine games. He had five tackles for a loss. I think if he can give you what the Dom Kasula gave you, six sacks, seven tackles for a loss, I think that's a win. I think you could probably maybe even get seven sacks just because you're dealing with these two giant monsters and one of them's going to get double teamed. The other one's going to get single teamed and it's just going to create so much opportunity. Plus with the pressure on the outside, the tackles having to worry about that. I think that's going to play a huge part. Logan Hall, James hit it on the head. I think he's going to take a very uh, similar approach as, as uh, Joe trying Shrinka. I don't think he gets four sacks like Joe Tryon Shrinka, but around two, two, three sacks uh, in a rotational role, getting after the passer, maybe around four or five tackles for a loss, making an impact in certain games. I think there'll be one game where like Logan Hall, Logan, like for the game, like yeah. he like he made to play the game or something like that. But when you're looking at both of these guys, can you know, and, and and I don't know if you're going there, but I'll even bring up Will Golston too at a career hey, high for four and a half sacks. I, I think if you if you when you have those guys in the line and the versatility to use them and rotate them out uh, with the addition of Hicks and with the addition of Hall, it, it's just going to make this defensive line that much better, that much deeper because you still got guys like Nacho and Pat, Pat O'Connor who's progressed every year and Nacho's a versatile piece and going to talk the trash all over you when you're on the field. So, you know, this defensive line as a unit, as a whole, I think is, is very strong. Obviously health is the number one concern, um, but I mean, if you look at the numbers they had last year, as far as sacks, you're talking about 15 and a half sacks. I can definitely see that as, as a benchmark for where they're going to, but I can see them eclipsing that as well um, with every contributor on the defensive line. And I think that this is a year where 50 sacks finally is something that can be attained. And I think a lot of that's going to come from those guys on the outside and the big guys up front with Devin White and Levante and some of the corners and safety sprinkling in here and there. Yeah. I think depth wise, you could make the argument that the bucks have their best depth along the defensive line with what they did with Hicks and, and Logan Hall. So I'm really excited to see what they can all do together. And as you guys mentioned, Will Golston and Nacho, I mean, Nacho, JC, you were there. Nacho was screaming and, <laughs> you know, in OTAs and mini camp. Yeah. So he's already, you know, in full form getting ready for um, this regular season. Want to give a shout out real quick to Rich with the thumbs up button. This is a great time to remind everyone to please like and subscribe, hit that thumbs up button and follow us at Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel. Helps us out with our algorithm, helps get those numbers up, and let everyone know about PewterReport.com and Pewter TV, whether you like these podcasts, some of the shorter clips that we have, some of the press conferences from OTAs and minicamp. There'll be more of that when train camp gets here and throughout the regular season. But it doesn't cost you anything. Helps us out. Just gives you a little notification when we have a new video that drops. And make sure you follow Mr. Bucks Nation as well. And I also want to remind everyone that next week, our first show will be on July 5th. We won't be doing a show on the 4th of July, but we are coming back with a very special guest as Bucks running back Rashad White will be joining us on July 5th. That is a Tuesday. So we're coming right back into it. If you could hear me over the 
whatever noise that I think that what was that crowd noise, Jason? It was applause. It was yeah, loud. okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh Rashad White coming on the show July 5th, going to be awesome. We've had some great interviews with players recently with uh, Will Golston and Cyril Grayson Jr. So very excited to talk to uh Rashad White, the rookie Bucks running back. Uh, we're gonna talk about a another player with the last name White here, and that is Devin White, get live 45, Devin White and Levante David. I actually do want to start with Levante David because, you know, he's the veteran who's been here for longer now and obviously a uh, a staple of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense through thick and thin, through the good and the bad times. Levante obviously dealt with a tough injury towards the end of the regular season. Didn't know if he was going to be available uh, for the playoffs. So he did play in 12 regular season games. 97 tackles, five tackles for loss, two sacks, and one fumble recovery. So this Levante and the understanding that he was injured, I think obviously if he plays more games, there's no question that the tackles are going to go up because Levante David is a tackling machine. So I don't think we really need to discuss the over-under there because, I mean, he got so close to 100 tackles knowing that he wasn't. 12 games. Uh, yeah, knowing that he wasn't 100%. But I, what I do want to focus more about is, you know, I just read off a lot of those stats there. There was no forced fumbles. There's no interceptions. Levante David has made a staple of his career all about making those splash plays. You'll hear Scott Reynolds talking about that nonstop. Is this a case where... Listen, Levante might not be the exact same player that he was three, four seasons ago, but I don't think Levante has lost a step enough where uh might be time to, you know, hang up the helmet and cleats and, and call it a career. I'm expecting if he's fully healthy and if he can stay healthy, a monster season, probably from both linebackers, but starting with Levante David, just getting back to the guy that forces those turnovers, makes those big plays. If the Bucs turn the ball over, which they don't normally as much now that Tom Brady's the quarterback, Levante gets them the ball right back. So, James, I'll ask you, what are you expecting from Levante David this year? Yeah, I'll definitely put him on the over in terms of his numbers, you know, not just for tackles, because like you said, that'll come with more playing time if he can maintain his health, but also getting takeaways for the defense. You know, like you said, only, you know, two forced fumbles, which is still pretty good. I think it tied or was second for the team. Um, but, you know, maybe getting a couple more fumbles recovered, getting a couple of yeah. more interceptions under his belt this upcoming season. That is where I expect to see uh over in terms of Levante David's numbers along with all the other numbers that we just talked about still a fantastic season last year for Levante David despite only playing in 12 games like what right. JC was saying but I am in agreement with you Matt uh given all the talent the Buccaneers have added the continuity on the defense and all the other things that we've been seeing if Levante David is able to be healthy for a full 17 games next season I agree with you whenever you say that hey Levante David still has the ability to put up some really darn good numbers and i think he can do that next year yeah i mean i think the one spot that i'm really looking for him to rebound is the spot that he talked about himself tackles for losses he only had five yeah. tackle for loss last last season and when we when we spoke to him recently at, at otas and minicamp he, he talked about wanting to get better at that and turn that around i i think uh or it was exit interviews i believe not um 
minicamp. But he talked about, you know, getting more tackle for losses and he needs to do better uh, at making the splash plays that he's accustomed to, whether that's interceptions, fumble recoveries, forced fumbles. 97 tackles in 15 in 12 games is just insane. I, I just I mean, he's going to get back up to 100 if he stays healthy. That's not a problem. But the thing about Levante is he is just still one of the best coverage linebackers in the game last year, PFF yeah. gave him an 81 grade. And I think because he's so good in coverage that can help lead to more uh, pass deflections, more interceptions last year. Um, I believe his pass deflection total was uh, three. So I, I, I figure him to get hands, more hands on the ball and create in, incompletions, maybe reel a few of those. In. I, I'm expecting a big year from Levante, even though, with with playing just 12 games if you look at those numbers those are still pretty good solid yeah. numbers for an inside linebacker so um especially at his age where a lot of those players will start to drop off i mean you talk about bobby wagner uh luke keekley's not even in the league anymore um and i still think in 12 games he put up numbers similar to what bobby wagner did throughout the year so uh bounce back season for levante you know not necessarily a bounce back i think he would have got there if he played the other five games, but I, you know, I, I expect them to just be Levante, just do your thing, you know, and, and run the defense. Let's talk about Devin white. Now uh, 17 games last year, 128 tackles, a little bit less than last year, um, eight tackles for loss, three and a half sacks and one fumble recovery. Again, just the lack of turnovers created. Uh, I'm not as concerned about the sacks because we heard, new inside linebacker coach and co-defensive coordinator, Larry Foote, who moved from outside linebackers coach to, in, to inside linebackers coach. And that was his natural position when he was playing in the NFL. And he said that, you know, uh, Devin White, the year before that, he had, what, nine sacks, would have had double digits, but he missed the last two games because of COVID. And he said, like, not every inside linebacker has to have those crazy stat numbers, essentially. So I'm expecting a big year and... I don't necessarily know about the tackles, but I think everything else, the tackles for loss, the sacks, even though it kind of contradicts what Larry foot just said, um, getting an interception and a forced fumble. I really think having Larry foot in his ear, in his ear, just hearing from someone else, I think is going to be so important to Devin white. So JC, the outlook of Devin white, a change of scenery in terms of coaching, who's going to be, telling him everything. I think having Levante hopefully back for more games really helps him and just getting another year under his belt and, you know, working with a couple of different guys. And he talked about adjusting his, his training regimen a little bit, his diet, how he prepares for everything. Um, I think we're going to look at a Devin white that, you know, he kind of hears the noise sometimes when people, aren't too happy with them. And I, I think we'll see a better Devin White for it this time around. Yeah, certainly does hear that noise for sure. And he's not afraid to post about it on Twitter either. But I, I think Devin White showed a lot of maturity um, during exit interviews talking about Agreed. where he needs to improve. You know, he's, he can be over aggressive in pursuit. He needs to be more consistent. Um, he needs to get into the tape more and look at more tape and watch that and, so he can understand and, and not over pursue situations. I think that, you know, he also brought up the fact that um, he needs to be more disciplined as a defender as well. We talk about his sack numbers being three and a half uh, for last season. How many times was he there? He just didn't rap or wasn't there quick enough in, in situations like that. Being able to read and react that half a second quicker 
he's probably sitting at six and then six and a half, seven and a half sacks last year. So mm-hmm. I think those sack numbers will go up. I also think the tackles for loss will go up. He had eight. There's just something about we you say it all the time. You can't coach speed, right? And he's got it, especially for the inside linebacker position. Yeah. He's got the ability to get out in the flat before the linebacker gets the ball and a pass and tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. He's got the ability to force his way through the the line of scrimmage and get in the backfield and cause a tackle for loss. He had eight of them last year. I think I could see him around 10 this year. Um, I think the sack numbers go up maybe by three or four, where he's at three and a half, six and a half, seven and a half, somewhere around there. Pass deflections, he's still gonna he's gotta be better in coverage. There's no doubt about that. If he's gonna be on be the one that has to take coverage, he's gotta be better at it. And I think watching tape will help them. Well, will help him tremendously. But Matt, it all comes back to to where we started the conversation about the additions. The big boys in the front are going to allow him to do what he does best. They're going to take up blockers and allow him to use his speed to roam sideline to sideline to make plays on the ball carrier, make plays on the receiver coming off a short route, or even just get into the backfield by opening up lanes for him because they're going to be taking up blockers. So I, I expect a bounce back season from Devin White. He's fallen out of favor in quite a few professional realms last year he was like a top five inside linebacker now he's kind of fallen to the to the late 20s i think he gets himself back up into that top 10 conversation and and i think he does it with a big big uh big season this year yeah i agree with both of you guys where i i do see an improvement in devin white's numbers you know not so much in tackles like you guys were saying 128 that's still a really good number even quarterback hits 18 quarterback hits that's pretty darn good uh but like what you were saying earlier matt you know finishing the play you know wrapping up and jc you said this too just a moment ago um that i think will help improve his sack numbers um it was also you know improve his tackling in general a little bit of a down year for devin white last year still made the pro bowl by the way yeah. so it's, it, was still a, it was still a great year for devin white in terms of, of accolades and whatnot but i agree with both of you guys when i when you guys do say that they're should be an improvement for Devin White's numbers this upcoming season in terms of takeaway numbers, much like in the case of uh, Levante, David. And Matt, one interesting point that you made is now that Devin White just does not have Levante David in his ear, he's also got Larry Foote in his ear, co-defensive coordinator. He can help scheme up some plays for Devin White. He was obviously a linebacker in his own time for 12 years in the league. He's got two fantastic mentors now in Levante David and Larry Foote that are going to be talking to him every single day. I think that will also continue to help him improve, uh, not just this upcoming season in terms of takeaway numbers and things along those lines, but also throughout the entirety of his uh, career with the Bucks here for the next few seasons, hopefully. Yeah, the Bucks, of course, picked up Devin White's uh, fifth year on his, his rookie deal. So still got another year before he can really make that big money in free agency, hopefully would re-sign with the Bucs. Uh, there are a couple guys in the secondary, though, that are in the last year of their deals and are looking to, uh, you know, cash in, get that big contract, get a lot of money. And uh, the best place to manage your money, whether you have a lot of it or a little bit of it, would be with Immuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Boys, 
you know where we need to get to. Yeah, Rado. Colorado. That's, That's right. right. Let's do it. <laughs> Next vacation. Uh, when you're managing your family's wealth, go to Immuni Financial because it's simply more than allocating your assets. Pewter Report and Scott Reynolds trust Immuni Financial with his investments and retirement funds, and you should trust them too. Call 1-800-868-6864 and talk to David or Mark. They're awesome people over there because they'll tell you about all the different kinds of services that they have. There's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and more. Once again, that's 1-800-868-6864 and get started with Immuni Financial today. All right, next we're going to talk about Let's go with the corners. Stick with that rotation. So we'll we'll talk about the big three. There's Carlton Davis, who obviously just signed the the big contract. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the part I was going to get to is you look at the interception numbers. We can look at all all their stats. but And again, injuries played a huge part into this. But Carlton Davis had one interception. Jamel Dean had two. And Sean Murphy Bunting didn't have any. So if we're doing the over-under, I would imagine we're all going with um, the over in that category, especially with Carlton Davis. So James, I'll just ask you, what are your expectations for the corners this year? What do you want to see out of them? Yeah. Like I expect improved play from all three guys and much like what we've said, you know, for a handful of these guys on the defensive side of the football, it comes with getting more playing time. Carlton Davis only played in 10 games last year. Uh, I believe, uh, who was it? Jamel Dean started only 11 games due to nagging injuries. And Sean Murphy Bunting only played in nine games last year, starting only eight. So for all three of those guys, I think that improvement just comes with staying healthy. You know, we've seen what all three of these guys can do when they're healthy and when they are ready to go. They can all three look like very competent, very good corners, especially in the case of a guy like Carlton Davis, who, you know, when he's on, looks like one of the best physical corners in the game, going up against some of the best receivers in the game. So I think with all three of these guys, in terms of what they need to improve on, Matt, I think that you nailed it perfectly by saying, hey, health, that's that's the big key here. If these guys are able to stay healthy, I do think that we will see some improvement and um, overall better seasons from all three of them moving forward this upcoming season. JC? Yeah, yeah. The name of the game is get your hands on the ball and hold on to it, right? I mean, if you look at the past deflections last year, Jamel Dean had nine in the 15 games. In only 10 games, Carlton Davis had 11. Carlton Davis has, since he's entered the league, has forced the most completions of any cornerback in the game. We know we can cover the top receivers in the league. We've seen it year in and year out. The problem with him, and Matt, you wrote an incredible article about it after he uh, talked about it in his press conferences, is that he's got the all he's got the all pro Pro Bowl ability. He just needs to get more interceptions to turn that into a reality. And I think if he can do that this year, we could see. And cornerback is a very tough spot because they only pick, you know, three guys and uh, for the for the all pro. One of them is a slot guy. So, you know, Pro Bowl, I think we could see in his future this year if he can. He's got the he's got the bag. Now he's got to back it up. You know, one interception is not going to cut it from a guy making that type of money. Uh, the pass deflection should still be there. Um, you know, I. I I think his coverage should still be the Jamel Dean is the guy I'm looking for the biggest turnaround. You saw him start to put together last yeah. year. He was one of the best impressed man. Co- he was the best impressed man coverage, allowing the least amount of yards. I, I think that he can build off that. Sean Murphy Bunding is the biggest question mark here. And he's going to, ha- he's the one with the shortest leash. He's going to have to turn yep. it around and turn it around quick. 
and we're not even talking about games or talking about training camp because the addition of Logan Ryan, who we'll talk about with the safety group, is a guy who can pressure him and potentially take snaps away from him in the slot. So he needs to have, show consistency is the biggest thing, I think, with Sean Murphy Bunting. He's had flashes. We all remember the three straight games, three straight interceptions, but he needs to be a little bit more consistent. When I look at the room at a whole, they had seven interceptions last year. Two of them came from Pierre Desir. One of them came from Richard Sherman. One of them came from D. Delaney. Not the guys you want leading yeah. the team in interceptions. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, they got outpicked by the safety group, which is not something you'd like to see normally either, unless you're facing erratic quarterbacks or throwing deep balls and they get picked off. But that wasn't the case with most of these interceptions from the safety group. So I, I need to see, as James put it, and you put it, health, and I need to say improvement with their hands, and I need to see consistency in all of their games to say, hey, we're in a good spot. But I think if they all can prove that, this could not only be one of the one of the biggest areas of improvement on the team, but one of the top cornerback units in the NFL. Uh, I just think the talent is there, the consistency, the playmaking skills haven't been there. If they can finally get that now mm-hmm. all together in their fourth year of Todd Bowles' system starting together, then the sky's the limit for this unit. Good stats there, JC. Yeah, I have so much respect for the cornerback position because I just think it's the toughest when you go from college to uh, the NFL, you know, all the rules are geared towards the offense. You can't touch the receiver at all. Um, It makes it very difficult. You got to learn man-to-man versus zone. You got to learn what you're good at. Then if you're a a corner that's playing the nickel, like that's a whole nother, you know, situation that you got to get into. And that's what really makes me appreciate Carlton Davis as a, a player, just because, He's kind of like an old school corner in terms like he'll be right up against you. He stays next to you stride for stride, essentially the whole time. He likes to talk a lot of crap. We all know when he went online and was tweeting at Michael Thomas after the Bucks beat the Saints. (laughs) I, I love that type of stuff. I think it's, you know, if you don't go overboard with it, I I think it's good for, you know, football and, and the drama and, and the storylines, like everything. And as Carlton said, you know, he's already 80% there as an all pro. Just got to turn some of those PBUs into INTs. I will say, if he doesn't start doing it this year, I don't know if he, like, really ever will. There was a time, though, I do have to give Carlton credit, where, like, especially his rookie season, we thought, like, okay, this guy just, he doesn't have the hands because he dropped a lot. And then he surprised us, like, a season or two later. Maybe it was his first two years. Four picks, a little bit. Yeah, and then, like, either second or third year, he actually, like, had a multi-interception season, and it was, like, quite impressive. And then last year, kind of, in terms of just interception, his coverage is still great. In terms of interceptions, not exactly um, what we wanted to see there, but hopefully get a bounce back from the whole group. Yeah, even Sean Murphy Bunting. Like, remember the Super Bowl? He said after, like, the next season that he was playing with, like, two dislocated thumbs and stuff like <laughs> yes. that. And obviously, he got hurt that first game of the season. Well, well, That's yeah. a tough injury to come back from. So, you know, it's tough to just be like, oh, well, if he's healthy, he'll be better. But I, I do think um, sometimes SMB has gotten the short end of the stick and those injuries really affect his play. And it's just, you know, it's under a microscope so much more when it's the corner position because it's a lot more easier to be like, well, that res- wide receiver beat him. Like, it was right. that guy's fault, you know, where it's like, all right, well, if a D tackle doesn't get a sack in a game, you're not like, oh, well, he lost like one-on-one on like every single rep. And things like that. So definitely, yeah. 
I was going to say, ahead. just to piggyback on your admiration of the cornerback position and how difficult it is to make that transition, now try doing it in Todd Bowles' defense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where it's exactly. going to move you around and you're going to play man one <laughs> and then zone the next. And then you're going to play half man half. It's just like, yeah. good luck. And Todd Bowles' favorite position on defense, of course, is the safeties. I want to first start by talking about the two safeties that have already been on the team. And of course, that's Anton Winfield Jr., who made his first Pro Bowl last year, played in 13 games, started all of them, had um, 88 tackles. He had four tackles for loss, two interceptions, including that highlight reel awesome interception against the Colts when he took the ball away from uh, Michael, Michael Pittman, Pittman, I believe. Yeah, Three Pittman. fumble recoveries and also six pass breakups. I think Antoine Winfield Jr., he's already up there as a star. Now it's time to start getting into that all-pro category when it, when it comes to him. And Mike Edwards, again, the ball hawk of this team, Led the team interceptions last year with three, and he also had an interception in the postseason. Had two defensive touchdowns, a pick six, like minutes apart against the Atlanta Falcons. That's actually truly incredible when you think about it. Like, that's very tough to do um, in the NFL. But, you know, he's going into a starting role this year where really he's been a guy that I don't want to say come off the bench because that sounds like, oh, like, you know, he's not rotation, uh, rotational yeah, player. Yeah, a rotational guy. Um, but you know, now it's his job at safety lining up next to Antoine Winfield Jr. So again, like the overs, he's going to be playing more. So theoretically everything should be going up, but I guess I'll just ask you over under one all pro selection for Antoine Winfield Jr. And with Mike Edwards, again, since everything's going to go up, um, do you see him continuing just to be that ball hawk? Um, do you see him earning that second contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, James, we'll start with you. Yeah, so in the case of Antoine Winfield Jr., I'm going to go ahead and push on this one. He had a Pro Bowl season last year, uh, and I think we will see some more consistency with it, but I don't think it's going to be an all-pro season just yet. Give it another year or two, and I think they that he will get to that, um, but I, I I don't think it's there yet. I think he'll have you know another Pro Bowl-esque season, but... You know, we've seen a lot of guys, and I'm not saying he wouldn't deserve an all-pro season next I year, gotcha. but it's just a situation of with certain positions, you know, with ways some sometimes people vote on those certain types of situations. Sometimes guys uh, don't get all-pro looks that they may deserve. I feel like Antoine Winfield might fall into that category, unfortunately, where he might have a great season next year, and it may be worth an all-pro type nod, maybe you know a second-team all-pro, something along those lines. I just don't think that uh, he is there quite, quite yet in terms of the national eyes, in terms of uh, that type of voting situation. So that's kind of my thoughts on Antoine Winfield Jr. Still think he's going to have a Pro Bowl caliber type season next year. Still have a great season next year. That's what year. I was going to ask you. So you're saying like another Pro Bowl season for Antoine Winfield Jr., but not necessarily the All-Pro. Mm -hmm. Right, just not there quite, quite yet in terms of the, the national viewpoint of it. In the case of Mike Edwards, man, if he starts an entire season next year, that's going to be wild. Because this yeah. dude, it seems like every time he is out there on the football field in his rotational type capacity, like what JC was saying, this dude makes plays. Matt, you said it. The dude's a ball hawk. Three interceptions, seven passes defended. He only started four games last year. I think it could be a Mike Edwards type season next year. You know, I really do believe in this guy. If he is able to be a full starter for 17 games for the team next year, I have a lot of belief that this dude could put up some 
really, really good numbers if he's able to have a full-time starting capacity. So I have a lot of high expectations and high hopes for both of the Buccaneers starting safeties moving forward and in Winfield Jr. and in Mike Edwards. JC? Yeah, you're absolutely crazy. Antoine Winfield should get a Pro Bowl, uh, all pro this year. I mean, if he continues his his ascending trend from last year making the Pro Bowl, you look at his numbers and where they stacked up. According to the PFF, again, pro football focus, he was the second highest graded defensive safety in the league, and he was the fifth in coverage. You look at his numbers, the stats that 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 Matty read off earlier with, with the two interceptions, two sacks, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, 88 tackles in just 13 games. You had you had four more games to that. He's probably well over 100 tackles, probably getting you another turnover or two as well. I think Antoine Winfield's ready to take that step. He looked like one of the best safeties in the league last year. He was challenged by uh, Nick Rapone, the safety coach, to get more interceptions. If that comes to fruition, there's no doubt in my mind he's an all-pro. He is one of the best young safeties, ascending safeties in the league. I've been high on him since they drafted. I'm not going to stop touting him uh, because I have the confidence that he's going to be one of the best players in the league here shortly, and the Bucs are going to have to pay out the you-know-what to keep him when he comes time to free agency. As far as Mike Edwards, yeah, more opportunity leads to more plays. You read off the numbers right there, the pass deflection, the interceptions. He also had a um, – <clears throat> He also had a forced fumble as well, so he can lay the stick a little bit and get his hands in in there with the ball carrier. So I think Mike Edwards has a chance. And the only thing I question about Mike Edwards is I know he's a pseudo starter right now, but if Keanu Neal has has recovered from his injuries fully and he we go into training camp and he starts looking like Atlanta Falcons healthy, yeah. Keanu Neal, and now you you because ultimately, right here, what, what we're what we're looking at right here is Antoine Winfield and Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards is more of a free safety than a strong safety. So you're going to be asking Antoine Winfield to play more along the line of scrimmage and be that more of an enforcer type type deal in the run game because it's just not Mike Edwards' forte. He's he's a ball hawk. He's the guy that mm-hmm. goes up, knocks the pass down, catches the passes. So I mean, if, if they're looking to keep. Winfield Jr. in that role is more of a free safety that he's played the last two years with with Jordan Whitehead at strong. And if Keanu Neal looks like himself, that's a situation where I'll have to push on my, on Edwards just because I'm not sure what his role will be completely until after training camp. And see right, it's it's not yeah, it's not totally Neal can do in pads. It's not totally established yet. Uh, I will say if Antoine Winfield Jr. isn't an, an All Pro this year. By the next season, he will be an All-Pro. I think he's pretty much right there. I I agree with both of you guys where he has the numbers that he should be an All-Pro, but I also get what you're saying, James, with like the voters sometimes they kind of give it to the guy that like should have already won an All-Pro like by now. So I I see him putting up the All-Pro numbers. And Mike Edwards, I am probably most excited about him more than any like new starter or newcomer to this team. I just think the amount of interceptions that he's already brought to this team, the fact that he's going to play more, I don't think he's as much of a liability, um, you know, in the run game, even though he does need to improve on his open field tackling. Uh, I just think what he can bring with taking the ball away, the Bucks will absolutely excel in that. Um, before we wrap things up, do want to talk about Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal, but first have to mention pin chasers proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Guys, there's multiple locations all over the place, as you see on the screen there, East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, and Veterans. Uh, there's one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks 
have their practices and training camp. Awesome night out with friends and family. The food's very underrated from the pizza to the nachos and the chicken tendies. Uh, great place to book a party for your kid as well. Um, they got the bowling and they have the arcades, so you could do a little bit of both. And they have different deals each night, whether it's, you know, all-you-could-eat pizza, Dollar Miller Lights, all-you-could-bowl, brunch specials on the weekend. They got a little bit of everything for you at Pin Chasers. Again, a great night out. and Go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party. All right. The last two guys that we'll talk about is Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal. Curious to get your guys' thoughts about, and JC already talked about it a little bit, so James, we'll go to you first, just where they fit in this defense, and is there any concern? I saw some people in the chat talking about it, so I think it's an important question. Obviously, the Bucs don't have Jordan Whitehead this year. He went to the Jets. Um, you're not going to directly replace Jordan Whitehead, but how do you see the Bucs counteracting or overcoming what Whitehead did for this team? Is it Ryan and Neil, that'll be the guys that kind of help out a little bit more in those areas where Whitehead uh, was so successful here in Tampa. Yeah, and that was what I was kind of alluding to earlier was if, you know, Mike Edwards does get the chance to be a full-time starter this upcoming season because, like you said, they're missing that, you know, absolute rifle or missile of a person back there in terms of that run stopping ability at that safety position. Now you can have that in Keanu Neal if he is again, healthy <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and, and, and kind of like if, if we're kind of like JC was saying earlier, if you are able to see that Atlanta Falcons version of Keanu Neal, he can do that. He has been able to showcase that in the past where he is just an absolute missile of a, of a safety able to get into the backfield, make some really impressive plays in the run game. You can see a guy like Keanu Neal do that. Logan Ryan, in my opinion, is a really solid, capable tackling uh, member of the secondary that I think can do some very good work as a slot cornerback in a safety rotation. We've already heard the coaching staff talk about what his role may be in the future already. So that is where I think you can kind of say, okay, well, how are we going to, make up for what we lost with Jordan Whitehead leaving for the Jets in free agency. I agree with what you said there, Matt, where you are going to see maybe more of some rotational type situations with Keanu O'Neill and Logan Ryan in whatever situations they may be. I'm not too sure. You know, Todd Bowles has gotten very creative in his defensive yeah. formations in the past. I feel like anything is possible, but that's one of the uh, great beneficial things of this safety group right now, arguably one of the best in terms of depth on not just the defense, but really in the team in general right now. Uh, they have got so much talent. There's so much versatility uh, that they can really do a lot with the back end of their defense there. So that's going to be one of the more interesting things to pay attention to. JC, final thoughts? Yeah, I think Keanu Neal brings a, a, a different, different level of play if he can go back to i mean you gotta think dallas took him and put him as a linebacker last year out of position yeah. <laughs> he spoke on how happy he is to get back to safety you look at it early in his career before injuries took he was one of the top safeties that we we're talking about in the league uh, as a strong safety so if he can get back to that level i think you will see some of that rotation maybe he'll be down on early downs and they'll switch out mike mike edwards uh, on obvious passing downs to take advantage of what they both do best the thing about Keanu Neal and, and and Logan Ryan is they bring such great versatility to this to this team. 
Uh, you know, everyone's kind of like, what happens if, if Levante gets injured? What happens if, you know, White gets injured? Well, you have obviously KJ Britt, Grant Stewart, who we didn't really talk about because they shouldn't be on the field, hopefully, at all. Well, we'd but, be doing the show for two hours if we were. Right, right. And hopefully they're not on the field at all. So, other than special teams. But I think Neil gives you that layer of protection, too, with his ability to be a safety, to be that jumbo linebacker in certain packages as well. It gives you a different aspect on the field and different range on the field as well. And then with Logan Ryan, I mean, he's played nickel cornerback. He's played outside cornerback. He's played free safety. So he's kind of gives you that layer of protection at all, all three spots. He's a true veteran. This, this defensive backfield has not really had that veteran leadership in it, especially yeah. like they do now this year. And now they're all veterans now, right? They're not rookies anymore, but just other guys to lean on. And you listen to how much Jamel Dean – uh, talked about having Sherman in the room and picking his brain and learning from him. I think this is a great opportunity for SMB to talk to Logan Ryan, pick his brain and learn from him. Uh, same thing, you know, with different aspects of Antoine Winfield's game. He's trying to to incorporate, uh, you know, being that dominant guy around the line of scrimmage as well as a, as an amazing free safety, uh, learning from Neil. So I think the biggest thing that these guys bring is versatility, a layer of protection against injuries and just veteran wisdom and knowledge that they can pass to the other guys in the room. And I think that those three things cannot be understated of what their addition brings to the team. Yeah. I think Neil brings a little bit more of the, uh, like the hammer that, you know, Jordan Whitehead <clears throat> yeah. had um, as a hitter. And you talked about versatility. I really like, and I'm looking forward to seeing how um, they move around. Logan Ryan, whether he plays a little bit in the nickel, plays back at safety. He's obviously they're they're both insurance policies. If some of the other guys we talked about, um, you know, d don't play up to the expectations of of the coaching staff, and I, I think Ryan's like blitzing ability too. I, I think would be a lot of fun. So overall, it's just going to be a huge rebound year for the Bucks defense um, across the board. And before we go, just want to remind everyone that we'll be back on July fifth. Our first episode of the week is with Bucks running back Rashad White. Going to be very excited talking to him, his experience playing for the Bucks already and just OTAs and minicamp, what his expectations are for next season. Really looking forward to talking to him and getting his insight about finally becoming an NFL player. So again, that's Bucks running back Rashad White on July 5th, Tuesday, the day after the fourth of july shot right. white and blue <laughs> yeah guys thank you so much again for joining the show james anything you want to plug with mr bucks nation what you got going on uh yeah just check me out on youtube here at mr bucks nation uh you know been doing a lot of time a lot of content here for the month of june have a lot more stuff planned for the month of july as you guys were saying as we're getting closer to training camp there's going to be a lot more videos and content that are coming out uh, on the YouTube channel. So stay tuned for that. As always, going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. And again, yeah, just thanks for having me on, guys. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. Love what you guys do here on the show. And uh, can't wait to be back sometime. I would love to have you guys on the show sometime as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll make sure uh, we get you back on the show again. Everyone, thanks for watching. Please like and subscribe. Again, help us with that algorithm. So for James, Mr. Bucks Nation, for JC, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great 4th of July, and we will see you again on Tuesday with Rashad White, Bucks running back, for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Out. Out.